Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Two, 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 two. Did you, America? Welcome to another Did You America? He's Jeremy Hoffman. I'm Ian Camfield. DidYouAmerica.com is where we hang out. If you want to talk to us on the socials, I'm at Ian Camfield on Twitter. On Instagram, you can find me at Camfield Off The Radio. Breaking news, Jeremy, from New York producer. Go on. This is episode 97. Wait, he counted? Well, actually... See, he thought he was being clever, telling me the, the, the episode number, but actually he's not because he's breaking our rule as to how we've broken down the episodes because his point was we're closing in on 100 episodes, which is good. Like ne- next right, week, but- ne- if we haven't been cancelled by next week, we will be at uh, 100 episodes. But it was his idea at the start of the year to do season two. So to say ep- season two, episode 97 is actually incorrect. Right. So even though overall he- 97, so overall 97, but New York producer, that is not the format i think we need someone to come in and count per season now well that's the other thing is because we started in october of last year the first season's only like 20 i counted at one point i think it's 26 episodes is it i got it's in my notes but i gotta go back quite a distance because it again matter. it was a year ago <laughs> right but so anyway uh so it's season two episode we still don't know right. however um we will have reached a hundred episodes Probably by next week. This is so exciting. I know, that's quite some achievement. We're so definitely getting cancelled at 99, We though. should, uh, what's going to happen? Well, there should be cake. What's going to happen first? Do we get cancelled or cake? Cancelled or get cake? cake. I want cake. <laughs> I would rather get cake and get to 100 episodes rather than get, get cancelled. So season one has 21 episodes Okay, in so it. do that math then. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's for the listeners, not for me. I know, that's uh, that's a lot of work. Uh, well, anyway, if I you... Had a, I had a, sorry, I had a friend over the weekend who was making fun of me because she had a party and she was asking me to carry two helium tanks. And I figured like gas tanks, you know, they would be kind of heavy. And so as I grabbed them, she was like, oh, I think they might be empty. I was like, yeah, I think so, because they feel really light. And she started making fun of me because apparently helium doesn't weigh anything. And I'm the only person on Earth that doesn't know this. I had to explain to her science and math. I did everything my entire life to avoid. I took college for seven years solely on the basis of avoiding science and math at all costs. Uh So, yeah, I'm definitely not going to be able to subtract 97 and 21. Right. Okay. Go on. Well, so there's new math these days, as oh, we've discussed I'm not before. learning new math. <laughs> new, and, and, and every time I try and help my nieces, I, I, I call, FaceTime my nieces in the UK. They're eight and ten. And sometimes when I call, they're doing homework. I've been banned from helping them with math now because I take them down such a bad path. But they do it. They do. Math is like a, a new. I don't know how you can find a new way of doing numbers, but I've said this before. New math is like new metal. The kids of today may be going through their limp biscuit phase of math. But eventually, they'll get back to Iron Maiden and they'll realize that was what people wanted all along. Don't even get us started on new science. That's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to do a little bit on the Cowboys here? Oh, do I? (laughs) I got to tell you this. 
I got to tell you this. The Cowboys game yesterday, because we're recording this on uh, Monday afternoon. You know, I, I'm, I'm like a, a casual observer of whisper it American football. Um, but even I found that game gripping. Normally... What a game. Normally, after, you know, 52 hours of... American football. When it goes 10 more minutes, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is going to be another two hours. The best but 10 this, minutes ever. Literally, it was. You it, know why it was the best 10 minutes ever? And this this goes to show you why this is the Cowboys' year. In the past, you know what would have happened in those last two minutes? They would have lost. And they would have lost in a horrible way that was heartbreaking that would have been discussed in media for the next week until their next game when they inevitably lost again. Now, this year, you know what they're doing in those games? They're winning. They're winning, and it's incredible. I was telling you earlier, you know, all season, me and the group of friends I have that text during the Cowboys games, oh, it was a Cowboys gist fest. Oh, we're the best team in the league. Who can stop us? Dak Prescott's the GOAT. Trayvon Diggs is Deion Sanders. Micah Parsons is the greatest defensive player in NFL history. It was all love. But last night, or yesterday afternoon, was the first heart attack game of the season for me where the last hour is just my heart's pounding i i shake i literally <laughs> shake my friends make fun of me because like a lot of them will go to bars and like watch the cowboys game or like go to someone's house i watch alone mm. no matter what because i get so emotionally vest- invested in the game that if you saw me during the game you'd be like this guy's nuts <laughs> he's an actual psychopath do you do um you do any of the superstition stuff? I got a, a buddy who is uh, big into football. Got four TVs in his front room just for football on Sundays. Right, um, and he's got a wife and kids. Uh, but th- th- there's all—I mean, the restrictions that they are under on a Sunday. She can only sit in a certain seat. One kid—they got twins. One kid has to wear a specific top, like. And he bets. He's he he could be a pro gambler, not not betting like you. Right. Like he he legitimately bets a lot of money, wins a lot of money. There's strategy. He's got a job, but he he probably could just gamble at home. He's right. he's that level. But around all of this strategic gambling, there's so much superstition when it comes to football games with him. Yeah, I only have one main one. Like, I'm definitely not crazy, but like, you know, I sit in the same spot again. Like, I don't invite people over. That's a part of the superstition. I, uh, I have one thing. It's not really like, I don't think it's helping them win by any means, but like, it's not hurting them. So I keep doing it. I always throw on the jersey for the game. And if they win while I'm wearing that jersey... I will take that jersey, I will lay it over a chair in my living room for the entire week, and then I will wear it for the next game. This so, is a whole load of superstitions. But I'm not, I don't think it's helping them. It's just kind of like, so it's more OCD. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like my world's going to crumble if I don't do well, it. Well, as, as an adopted Texan, um, I you know, they're on a great winning streak. And yesterday's game was great, although it was giving you and proper hardcore Cowboys fans a heart attack at various points during it. You know, what a way to win. I mean, I'm pretty yeah. so that during those final 10 minutes, Robert Kraft said, cancel all kids of Asia. I'm not going for one. I know, I know. I know yeah, I don't, right. I don't he doubled up. <laughs> <laughs> that was a stressful game for him. I, uh, I will say this, though. Cowboys may be 5-1, and one, but Jeremy Hoffman is 6-0 and no gambling on the Cowboys this really? year. Another week, another victory, my friend. They were four-point underdogs. When it was coming down to the end, I was thinking, oh, no, or in overtime, I was thinking, oh, no, they're going to kick a field goal and win it. And then, boom, wouldn't you know it, C.D. Lamb in the end zone to make it a six-point lead, giving me that extra two points for the victory. So, um, as well as uh, watching the Cowboys game yesterday, the, the two other things that I've watched on the TV quite recently, one of them was uh, over the weekend. I um, 
I got myself HBO Max again. It's like, thank God, civilization's returned to my right. TV. I have been without- Best streaming service been, in my been opinion. Been without HBO for uh, for about a year. And uh, they just had um, the latest Clint Eastwood movie on there. So it was out in theaters, I guess, for a few weeks. And then it had a limited run on uh, HBO Max, Crime Macho. Now, do you remember- when Gran Torino came out, Clint Eastwood said, uh, did a whole thing about this was going to be the last time he was going to be on screen because he was so old and that, right. that was going to be it. Gran Torino was about 12 years ago. Wow. And I watched the movie before the last movie. Um, the Is he Mule. still yelling at kids in this one? <laughs> I feel like that's kind of been his theme since Gran Torino. It's like, watch me yell at kids for two hours. Gran Torino I loved because Great Gran, movie. Gran Torino basically was like... If he was going to do one more Dirty Harry, he couldn't do it as Dirty Harry at 78. But right. that character, Walt, was it Walt Kowalski? Yeah. See, I like it so much, I remember the name of the character. Walt Kowalski is like, that could have been Dirty Harry in retirement, right? He basically made the world safe for old curmudgeon people. Like, because, you know, forever, people would mess with their old neighbors who would have to constantly yell, like, get off my lawn! And now, like, no one's going near their lawn. And, uh, that guy has a gun. I remember in in uh, in Gran Torino, he played it personally perfectly because you know i think so let's say he was late 70s when he made gran torino so he's too old to do any proper running around but he's still a hard ass and what i remember he portrayed so well in gran torino which is a real like old person's thing was there was a there were many scenes where someone was either disappointing him or really annoying him and clint eastwood's character wouldn't say any words he'd just go (sighs) there was a lot of like Yeah, well, at that age, there's no speech. So I can only imagine 12 years later, there's actually not a word spoken in Cry Macho. Well, here's the thing. So, Clint, and I love Clint Eastwood, but that idea you had Clint circa 2009 or whenever it was that uh, Gran Torino came out, that that was going to be your last movie, on your last uh, appearance on screen. That might have been a good idea because I went to see The Mule. The the Mule came out like two years ago. That was the one where he was a drug runner? Yes, they put but, a bunch of coke up his butt. No, they don't put a bunch of coke up his butt. They do something. I saw wh- the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah, the mule isn't on Pornhub. Oh, <laughs> oops! I was gonna say he looks way different. When did he get a sex change? However, looks like my grandma. In the mule, uh, the Clint Eastwood movie. He does have a threesome. Oh, oh! I saw that on Pornhub. <laughs> yeah, no, my movies had that too. What, an 87-year-old? Oh, so hot. So, anyway, I watched The Mule, and I kind of, you know, yeah, it was, I enjoyed The Mule. It was a bit ridiculous, especially the bit where he has a threesome. It's like, it's like, he he does well for the cartel, because the cartel, I forget why, but he ends up, like, the the way he spares his life is he agrees to run drugs for the cartel, and no one stops him, because he looks about 180. So, yeah, that bit of it is, like, just about believable. But the scene in which he goes into Mexico with all the drugs and the cartel go, hey, you did good. Here's two women for you to have sex with. No. <laughs> I want to start running drugs. <laughs> so um, I'm watching uh, Cry Macho. And, um, what goes up his butt in this movie? <laughs> it's basically a, a movie about a kid and he's chicken. Wait, he's a kid in this movie? No. That has to be that. Be that. What a turn. A Shemalam twist, if you ask me. Clint Eastwood went, uh, yeah, I know I'm 90, 
And I said in 2009, I wasn't going to do any more appearances, but CGI is so great now. And there's, there's, <laughs> this, great. there's this script for a 12 year old. <laughs> I think I can do it. <laughs> um, I mean, again, love Clint Eastwood. He can barely talk in this movie. Like, you know, you know he's always had that kind of breathy voice. Right. He literally has got the breathy voice now that sounds like someone who's stricken with cancer and having a heart attack <laughs> all at the same time. Oh, you that's know? rough for a 12 year old. Um, so, so no, there's a kid in it and the kid's got a, um, has got a chicken. So he plays the chicken. No, there's a, there's a genuinely is a chicken in it. And, uh, I was going to say no spoilers. I don't think there's any spoilers in there. Yeah, just like, spoil it. Who cares? Nothing, Nothing really happens in this movie except that because I was watching it thinking, oh, I was watching it. It was going like time's ticking away. Sometimes when you're reading, uh, when, you, when you're watching a bad movie and you press the button so you can see the time ba- time code on the bottom. Right. And I, at one point I'm like, it's 20 minutes left and nothing's happened. Oh, no. So anyway, I watched it and it finished. And I thought to myself, am, am I missing something here? I thought, I think it's meant to be a tale of an old man who feels some kind of redemption through this kid's pet chicken. And then I thought, this is the second fucking time I've wasted two hours of my life watching a star of film who I like basically doing the same storyline because two weeks before I saw Clint Eastwood in Cry Macho, I spent a couple of hours watching Nicolas Cage in Pig. And that is the same storyline of an older man, not as old as Clint Eastwood, where if you take a step back after that Pig movie, because I felt the same thing, two hours later, nothing happened. Oh, it's a tale of an old man's redemption via a pig. Something has happened to some of my favorite film stars where they've now decided that they're going to take roles that if they were set in a different world would basically be a fairy tale for a five-year-old. So you're saying there's something about past their prime actors that they become very obsessed with farm animals. Basically. I think we need to put this theory to the test. <laughs> basically, that is the thing. In both of those movies, nothing really happens but if you take a step back they're both older people in Clint Eastwood's case really old who used to do something and now they've lost their way and I think what you're supposed to take from it is well it's a tale of self-realization of re- and redemption and one of them did it through a chicken and the other one did it through a pig and i was sitting there thinking these are the kind of cartoons that i used to watch with my nieces but now at aged eight and ten they wouldn't be interested in this bullshit anymore <laughs> i just i can't help but as we came up with this theory just like i don't know if he ever did it but i feel like i've seen a scene of old marlon brando petting a cow in one of his movies <laughs> i don't know for a fact if that's happened but i can vividly see it in my head <laughs> and the other bit of tv that i did watch this week was uh uh the uh season three of uh, succession debuted yesterday i told you hbo max back in my life i feel like I've, i'm i'm i feel like i'm a new man no christmas movies but still quite some good content 
No, no Christmas movies. I bet, I bet around December you're going to get some Christmas movies loaded in. Yeah, Don't but worry. I still haven't got it. I need to figure out a way to hacking because I've still... The, YouTube TV, I've, I've remained loyal to you. You need to get me Hallmark online by, by well, November, basically. Right, you need an early start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because I've read everything that Dean Cain's got to say about the new Superman being bisexual. Now, <laughs> I want to see Dean Cain in his new role as whatever he's playing in a Hallmark Christmas movie. Right, well, everyone's murdering people for TVs at Walmart. Camfield wants to be watching <laughs> Christmas movies. But I did, um, I watched uh, I watched the, uh, the season premiere of uh, Succession, and... Um, that is a uh, a great TV show. The thing that I always said about Succession, the reason why I like it is because by design, there is literally not one likable character in Succession. So it's one of those shows where you get really emotionally involved with it, even though, because they're all so terrible, there's not really anyone to root for. However... I believe Succession may have got around that problem now because there's a vibrator on the market <laughs> tied in with one of the characters who's called Cousin Greg. And I'm not exactly sure how it works, but somehow Cousin Greg has got his own vibrator. So if you've ordered the vibrator, I guess somehow it's in sync with HBO and it does its business anytime Cousin Greg appears on Succession. So at least there Wait, is a- Wait, so it's, it's activated by the show? It's somehow that's great. Well, hang on. They're calling it. They call it Greg the Egg, right? <laughs> and um, and um, and uh, yeah, you could. So so is it like an action figure shaped in the character that happens to vibrate, or does it no, look like a dildo with his head at the top? It, no, it's molded in the shape of the actor's cock. Because you know, because you know, you know. Does you, he show it on the show? Well, you know, HBO are big on penis. Watch the show. You know, HBO are huge on penis reveals. Yeah, right, of course, they that, love a good. Literally, they were doing cock talk before we ever did it. Someone told me because I keep now. It's been the news of the week. I've been texting people going, "I've got HBO again. I've got HBO again." And a few people said to me, oh, you got to watch this show called White Lotus, which I watched like one episode of and I can't get into it. Yeah, I did the same. Some of my friends were texting me going, again, I said, listen, I've already wasted two hours watching a movie about a man with a pig and I've wasted another two hours watching a movie about a man with a chicken. And that was Clint Eastwood, for God's sake. Now you want me to see this fucking show? And, and Stifler's that, mom is made to play one thing. And that's <laughs> Stifler's mom. They said, uh, oh, you know, it's a vibe. I said, I want the TV show to be a vibe. Anyway, the point is, I'm watching the first episode of um, of uh, White Lotus, and there's like a cock and balls on it. And so you, what? You weren't sold at that moment, middle aged man. I didn't need to see that. <laughs> I was like, you don't like at least make it somewhat attractive, right? Right. You know, um, succession. So, pretty penis is all over. I'm not aware that cousin Greg has got his cock out on obsession, but I'm telling you that HBO is the channel for cock because there are there are people. It what? used to be Cinemax. Why, but... right, now it's now now HBO have up their game. So now you know that they, they did it in White Lotus. So I'm assuming that Greg the Egg is is. Is, is shaped like the actor's cock. All right, we'll and, have to do um, some investigating. And apparently, so it was uh, some cam soda thing. Uh, there was another version of it where you could sync it up to music, but now you can sync it up to succession. Uh, I've watched enough porn time. I now know what you're talking about. Right, and so every time uh, Cousin Greg appears, 
you can have some fun with Greg the Egg. The point being, now there is a character to root for. Uh, I'll send you some links later so you know what they're talking about. Uh, we have a Song of the Week update coming. Uh, also, there's some stuff about the Stones and Motley Crue and uh, possibly Iron Maiden. It's always time for Iron Maiden on this podcast. Uh, we'll do that in part two of Did You America? Stand by. Okay, let's do uh, part two of Did You America? Song of the Week last week. Uh, Jeremy had Barricade by Atmosphere. With a million other rappers. Yes. Uh, Barricade? Barcade. Barcade. Yes. Nearly. Uh, 9%. New producer uh, coming back by James Blake. 20%. Well done to uh, Trivium, who won with 71% with uh, the title track of their new album, In the Court of the Dragon. This week, three new choices for you. Vote for Song of the Week at DidYouAmerica.com. Or you can go on to the poll, which I have on my Twitter. I'm at Ian Canfield on Twitter. I like the new version of My Name is Jonas by Taking Back Sunday. Oh, intriguing. So that, it's not really, it sounds like Weezer, but but, oh. but I've, always, I've always had like a soft spot for Taking Back Sunday. Yeah, same. Yeah. I actually do like that Weezer song. I'll have to listen to that. Yeah, so Taking Back Sunday have uh, released their version of My Name is Jonas, which is my choice for this week. I'm going with another cover by Jason Isbell in the 400 unit this week. This time they covered James Brown. It's a man's, man's, man's world featuring Lauren Spencer. And uh, New York producer choosing Big Shot by Lumineers. So, Big Shot by Lumineers. It's a man's, man's, man's world by Jason Isbell and 400 different other people. Or My Name is Jonas, new version by Taking Back Sunday, digiamerica.com, or you can vote uh, on Twitter. On Twitter, I am at Ian Canfield. Uh, Also, if you want to talk to the show, uh, you can communicate via my Instagram, which is Camfield off the radio. Vince Neal... What are you doing on tour, you fat bastard? <laughs> it couldn't get it just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. So he's in the news, the Motley Crue singer, because he broke some ribs during a show on Friday night. He's uh, really doing whatever he can to get out of this tour. He does not want to go on the road. He heard my idea last week about getting the singer from the Philippines. He was like, "That, do that." <laughs> yeah, work great for Journey, right? <laughs> I so I just don't understand. Motley Crue have done quite a few big tours in the last ten to fifteen years. They had the book, they had the Netflix movie version of the book, The Dirt, and they are signed up to do a US wide stadium tour, not arenas, stadium tour next year. Isn't it with... It's with other bands, though, right? Yeah, Def Leppard and... So they have a little bit of help, but... Well, but my point is, is that when you're in stadiums and you're doing it right across the States and you're in the league of Motley Crue and Def Leppard, every member of those bands is going to have an upfront few million that they're personally taking. Right. Now, if you knew you had that coming, why... Would you be wasting your time traipsing around casinos doing gigs for like a thousand people, which is what Vince Neil has been doing? And also, I've said this before, surely not helping the ticket sales of the Motley Crue tour because he looks and sounds like shit. Right. Every single one. There hasn't been one video. Every single story about him until he fell off the stage and broke his ribs has been like, oh, my God, he sounded so horrible. Normally, when musicians have that, you know, their people are putting out video the next week being like, no, no, it was an off show. Look, he's right back to normal. Even Vince Neil's people are clearly like, no, he sounds like shit. We have to end this tour. Put out the bad videos. I wonder if someone pushed him. I wonder. <laughs> 
wonder if I wonder if I wonder if like because because if I God was if I, if I was Motley Crue, I would be looking at these videos going, Jesus Christ, he looks like he's pregnant. He's warbling his way through our songs. It looks and sounds terrible. And, you know, when you're in stadiums, that's, you know, that, that that's like 60,000 people a night. There's a lot of tickets you've got to sell. And I do wonder if... Uh, because I'm amazed that Vince Neil's been able to do solo shows. If I was looking after Motley Crue, I'd have gone, all right, we're doing this tour. Fatty, you need to get thinner at least. <laughs> and, uh, you know, try and save you some voice and don't do any shows because otherwise people know how terrible you're going to be because we need people to buy tickets for this stadium tour. Somehow that didn't happen. I wonder if Nikki Six, who's a very sane together, has been sober for a long, long time type person, was like, all right, I'm going to have to stage an intervention. And the fact of the matter is- intervention? Well, I just think he like ran up on the stage, pushed Vince Neil over, so he did some damage. Not so he's going to be out of action next year, but not able to do any more shows this year. Because let's face it, if the rest of Motley Crue and their sound crew came up behind Vince Neil. He is so wide, you wouldn't see him. <laughs> see, I was thinking that Tommy Lee was probably like three st- states away and his penis is so big it still was able to knock him off stage. <laughs> He's like, oh, guys, don't worry, I got this. Whoosh. <laughs> they, had a, they had a meeting and Nikki Six was like, all right, there's two ways of doing this. I can run up behind Vince and push him off the stage or Tommy, your cock can do it. And Tommy, <laughs> Tommy Lee went, even as fat as he is, I think people will still see my cock coming. Better off you do it. <laughs> he said, yeah, right, get me the Viagra. <laughs> I just, uh, I, 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 I seriously don't get why he's out there doing it. And, and, and to be honest, because I was, uh, I, I got some alerts come up on my phone that he'd fallen off stage uh, shortly after it happened on Friday night, and I went straight online to look for the videos because my immediate thought was, I wonder if he bounces. <laughs> like, I, 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 and 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 to to be honest. He doesn't bounce. He's 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 broken a few ribs. If he bounced, he would have been okay. It would right. have cushioned the fall. Right. <laughs> and um, that I, damn gravity. And I think uh, you know, if I was Vince now in the hospital, I'm probably saying to the rest of Motley Crue, "See, you bastards." Because um, he has lost a bit of weight. He still looks bad, but right. he doesn't look quite as pregnant as he was before. <laughs> so like, He had the baby. Yeah, he looks like he's had the baby. <laughs> right. he, hasn't, he hasn't snapped back into shape yet. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look like... He's gone from looking like he's literally about to have a baby to he's literally <laughs> just... He's just So literally, he's just had the baby. But if I was him, I would be saying to the rest of them, look, you bastards, you made me drop weight, and now I've damaged my ribs if I was still as fat as I was to start with I'd have been bouncing around that venue that was the video's fake he definitely heard ribs and was like I'm starving and trying to rip one out of himself (laughs) have I ever told you the story about the time I did um there was a there was a period of time where I was hanging out with Motley Crue a bit, and it wasn't in the the peak of like Motley Crue craziness right but so this was sort of like when they were 
somewhat sober, except Vince wasn't. <laughs> Fine. And, and, right. And there were two, they, I, I remember going to a studio where they were going to be set up for like most of the day doing interviews, you know, different radio and TV shows coming in and out like every 30 right. minutes. I swear to you, it was 10 a.m. and Vince was drunk out of his mind on red wine. Oh, wow. Like sitting next oh, to- a classy drunk. Sitting, box wine. Oh. Sitting, <laughs> sitting next to a sober Nikki Six and- like pouring wine and just you know being like a, I don't know there's something about that you know that ele- that phrase elegantly wasted he was right. just wasted that, <laughs> yeah he didn't reach elegance no there was nothing elegant about him you know <laughs> by any by any stretch of the imagination but on that same trip um there's I could go on about this all day there was there was like I remember they they got into the country uh one day and I did a thing with Tommy Lee to start with and then later on in the week I was talking to the 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 whole band together and I did an interview with Tommy Lee um live on air like late afternoon early evening in London and um he came in at the end of my show and we did the interview and then he wanted to go to a strip club. So we all went to a strip club with Tommy Lee, right? So you can imagine what strip club with Tommy Lee's like. And just at the point at which you were like, this is like an amazing, like you're never going to have, if you're ever going to go to a a strip club with Tommy Lee, it's going to be like off the scale Motley Crue experience. All of these women from out of nowhere that weren't part of the strip club showed up and they were the hot, Air stewardesses that he'd met on the flight over. So Tommy <laughs> Lee invited them. Tommy Lee is like such a high roller that on the flight from the States, he's telling the hot women that work for Virgin Atlantic or whoever he flew with, hey, I gotta go and do this radio show, then I'm going straight to the strip club. You should come to the strip club too. Like the strippers weren't enough. Wow. The airline <laughs> you know, you crew know turned better, up. You know what's being be- what's better than being surrounded by naked women? Also having some clothed women around. <laughs> with the option of them getting right, naked. Right, they're gonna right, get right, naked. Right, right, exactly. It's like <laughs> I'm Tommy Lee. You're getting naked. A strip club full of strippers wasn't enough for Tommy Lee. There were some additional people from Virgin Atlantic. Well look, we have a three foot state long cock <laughs> right and then my other uh, great tale from that time was um that they were uh, i was in a uh, in a car with um nikki six one time uh and all of the band were going to do interview somewhere and uh i'd met them at their hotel and the radio station where i was working was literally like three blocks away but they're, they're motley crew they didn't want to walk okay fine but literally uh, and, and each member of motley crew has their own car which again fine i understand that but we're going a ridiculously short distance with each member of the band in separate cars and um it would have been quicker to walk but obviously they don't do that certainly not fence and um so we're going around literally up like three blocks and when we get to the block where the radio station is the guy who's driving Nikki six goes oh we're gonna have to go around again and i said well the station's there you can just pull in there and he goes no 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 no. we're arriving in the wrong order and there's an there's an order of cars that members of motley crew have to arrive in and this is i swear to you this is true Vince's car has to pull up first because he's such an intolerable asshole that they've made certain recommendations to like let Vince think that he's special for like so so this (laughs) it used to be an ego thing now he's just worried that they're gonna run out of chicken fingers I have to get there first (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe that's it. But to be in this cavalcade, one car per member of the band, to travel literally three blocks, maybe not even that, and then go back round and approach the radio station again because the cars were arriving in the wrong order. Because if Vince's car doesn't pull up first, it's going to be in a bad mood. They were worried about getting Vince there first, but they forgot that they actually forgot Mick Mars at the last venue. <laughs> And no one that went back or said, hey, that's whatever. <laughs> well, you know, Vince needs like ramps and all kinds right, of things. Yeah. Like- <laughs> A team to barrel roll him up the, that ramp too. Now, while we're uh, discussing old people, um, I'm quite enjoying the uh, Mick Jagger, Paul McCartney um, arguments that are that are spewing now. So it's a while ago that um, Paul McCartney... Uh, said that the Beatles were better than the Stones because the Beatles uh, did a lot more. There was a lot more scope to them musically, whereas uh, the Stones are more just a, a blues covers band. And uh, Stones are on tour at the moment. Mick Jagger made some comment. I think it was in the Los Angeles show. His comment didn't really make sense either because he said like, oh, Paul's going to come join us for a blues cover song. But he wasn't there and he didn't come join them. And then, like, he started mentioning, like, other famous people who weren't there in attendance. I think Mick Jagger's losing it. <laughs> he might have had one too many beers at that Charlotte bar that last week. See, I th- they'd just be, I'm all up for a bit of back and forth between uh, Jagger and McCartney, sort of like, uh, you know, old men bitching at one another. But. They need to kind of up their game because in terms of like the old men stakes getting at one another, Shatner and George Takai are very much winning that. <laughs> the greatest <laughs> feud of all time. At the moment. Did you ever see um, that TV show that was called Feud that was about how much Betty Davis and one of those yeah, other... Yeah, oh, what yeah, was that was the, a good what one. Was the other, what was the um, actor's name? On, it was I'm Betty right. Davis and... Um, I forget her name. Um... Anyway, the show was called Feud, and there was these old, like, 50s... Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford and Betty Davis about how they absolutely hated one another. Right. Right. Well, the the latest version of that, that are probably more like two old women who hate one another than Joan Crawford and Betty Davis were, William Shatner and George Takai. Right. right? But you know what's so great about this is, like, it really is so one-sided because, you know, William Shatner is a very famous name and actor, and George Takai has become... More famous later on in his life for, you know, who he really is in his real life outside of his work as an actor. So it's always George, like, bitching about how Shatner treated him on the set of Star Trek. And then Shatner being like, I don't remember him being there. Right. (laughs) And also, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's never been any kind of allegation from Takai that Shatner was doing it because he was homophobic or anything like no, that. I think just that like he was an asshole. Well, also, well, maybe not even that. More so that there, Shatner was the star of Star Trek and right. George Takai wasn't. No. He, was, he was in the cast, You're- but there was Shatner and there was Leonard Nimoy and then there was everyone else. No? Right. Well, look, I mean, we, we know <laughs> on this podcast you might be the biggest Bill Shatner fan there is. Now, I... I am generally team George Takei all day. And as we talked about last week, I'm not very <laughs> impressed with Shatner going to space or what people call space, but isn't really space for 11 minutes. So I'm all team team Takei on this one. Fuck the pig in space. I, I do like the fact that Takei basically was like, 
All right, well, he's gone where loads of other people have gone before, and Whoa, and, and, and 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 I mean, it's it, you know, people say it's impressive because he's ninety. I say it's impressive because he's probably the fattest person that's ever been oh, in that's space. For sure. That was that was like Takai's <laughs> bitch slap to him. But then I like see. Jagger and McCartney. This is where this is the level of bitching that I want because right. then Shatner has a little comeback to George Takai and says, um, "Well, you know, I'm sorry if he feels I stole 30 seconds of camera time from him in 1966 or whenever it was, but it seems to me that the only time George Takai gets any press is when he's criticizing me, and I feel like that's partly true. Yes. I mean, I've, I, you know, I it's either there when he goes on Stern and says something overtly sexual. Those even, are the only but things. No, but even, even. Even that, I listened to him on Stern and it was very, very amusing. But the fact of the matter is, George Takai in the last few months was on Howard Stern and probably spent at least 15 minutes in great detail talking about how he likes to lick his partner's asshole, right? <laughs> and Excuse even- me, how he would want to lick his partner's asshole. His partner didn't let him. Oh, I thought that was what they did. No, no, no. The part, they, they, they were w- convincing his partner to let George lick his asshole. Oh, my God. But in that <laughs> case... That's just a- good radio. <laughs> <laughs> so what Shatner's response should have been was, you, uh, you can't even get press when you've spent 15 minutes talking about how you're trying to convince your partner to lick your asshole, and he still won't do it. No. <laughs> See, I you don't see Paul or Mick Jagger talking about licking the other's asshole. Note to Jagger. <laughs> Come over here, Paul. You know, real quick, going back to the, the Paul and uh, Mick Jagger thing, you know, I feel like the media is like wanting this to be a story way more than it really was. Because if you look at any of their quotes over the last five years, it's not like their quotes that came out in the no. 70s and 80s. It's very like in jest and playful. It's like, oh, ha, ha, we're better. They're nobody. Knowing that they're the two greatest bands of all time. So like... I don't really think there's like this whole big feud, but I will say this, you know, celebrity boxing is a very big popular (laughs) thing now. And I, you know, I'm always looking at what the money could potentially be. And even though they're old, imagine a card with not only Jagger versus McCartney, but Shatner versus Takei. You're ordering that on pay-per-view no matter what. I don't care if you're not a sports fan. Oh, yeah. I'll be all in. Oh, yeah. All in. Oh, my. <laughs> as, uh, as the warm-up for the Stone Show, you can see McCartney box Jagger. It can, if you're disappointed, there's no brown sugar in the set. How about, <laughs> how about this instead? You know what? I'm kind of upset that they're canceling brown sugar. Like, what's wrong about a song about having sex with a slave? Is that not allowed anymore? Also, what made them decide to write a song about having sex with a slave? No one definitely knew that that's what that song was about. <laughs> I, I like the fact that they've, uh, you know, like some celebrities, they've sort of got ahead of the curve, you know, where, like particularly comedians and TV hosts have done the thing where they've gone, all right, before you go back over my tweets, I said this in 2011 and I'm admitting it so I don't have to take the summer off like Jimmy Kimmel right? Um, or whatever it is. But I kind of like the fact that the because so the, Mick Jagger, of course, was way more political, like politically correct about it, because Mick Jagger t- treats everything as if he's a politician. But Keith Richards' response about it was <laughs> so much better because Keith Richards basically said, "Oh, 
I'd rather be playing Brown Sugar because it's a great song, but I feel like there might be some backlash. And for fuck's sake, I'm 78. I don't have time (laughs) for this. (laughs) It's just annoying to you, though, because, like, no one was making a big deal about that they weren't playing Brown Sugar. And Mick was like, why is no one making a big deal about this? I guess I'll alert the media. Just so you guys know, we are not racist. We took the song about banging slaves out. Right. And the world was like, since when is that racist? We saw Django. It was a wonderful film. Funny thing. Thing about this because uh, you know I'm a big Stones aficionado it was I, I felt like within the last 10 years that they brought back a song um, I think it's from the Beggar's Banquet album originally it, it was out in the 60s originally but within the last 10 years in their live shows they have played a song called Stray Cat Blues which is about underage groupies hanging out backstage oh that must have been a Wyman original <laughs> CC. <laughs> That's a really deep throwback. Yeah, really deep throwback. <laughs> so, yeah, I wonder um, if I was there. But see, I, I also, I wonder because, you know, even though they're like almost 80, I feel like they still like to be seen as sort of like somewhat rebellious. Yeah. And has this become the Rolling Stones rebelling at almost 80? Like when they're here, they'll be playing down the road from this apartment in a matter of weeks. Now they've made this song and dance in the press of like oh we're not gonna sing our song which is you know about how terrible slavery was but then suddenly they're like all right this is brown sugar like it's the most <laughs> controversial like, oh, in texas we'll play it. like you know it's like it, back in the 60s it was like i was being busted for a massive drug orgy shoving a mars bar into marianne faithful but the rebellion in 2021 now i'm 78 is everybody this is brown sugar <laughs> see that's how you intro a song <laughs> All right, I think we're done for uh, another episode, and this is almost episode 100. We're almost there. I know. How about that? Uh, you want to talk to us? Digiamerica.com. You can vote for Song of the Week there. You can also do it on my Twitter, uh, Ian Canfield on Twitter, if you would like to communicate via um, the uh, Instagram, the Instagram, Instagram. It's the Instagram I feel Instagram like I sound now. like my dad if I'm saying the Instagram. What's the Instagram? <laughs> uh, Camfield off the radio is where I am on Instagram. And uh, we should probably just um, thank the people that have been listening. I didn't think we'd get to like nearly 100 episodes. So whether you've listened to one or almost 100 or 10 or five or whatever, we're very grateful. Should we hug? No. Oh. Uh, DigiAmerica.com if you want to check out any old ones. And uh, T-shirts. We've got T-shirts. You can buy a T-shirt from the website. We had a second run done, so we've got some more in stock. If you want to get uh, DigiAmerica T-shirts, um, they come in American colors, obviously. Yeah, they feel great on your nipples. And they're at DigiAmerica.com. Thank you for listening to this one. <laughs>